As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Michael, we're now in full swing with season 10 of Rocketship.fm focused on workplace confessions. How do you feel about the season so far? And I'm loving it, honestly. Uh, the confessions have been really interesting. We're getting great advice from our guest experts. It's It's been a lot of fun. And isn't this what this is all about? You and me having fun? Well, it's more than that. But you know what? Sure. <laughs> it's nice to have a little fun with this too, isn't it? I think so too. And I think we should let the fun continue and let the good times roll here on this episode of Rocketship.fm. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. Okay, so I want to get right into today's confessions. And we have two very interesting confessions. In one case, they're looking for a little advice. And in the other, 
It's just a straight up confession. <laughs> and honestly, kind of a wild one, especially for a product person. Interesting. So let's save that one for the end. <laughs> all right. All right. Save that one for the end. In that case, then uh, the first confession will cover. I mean, it's an interesting one, too. Um, and actually, Michael, I'll ask you. When you've worked for another company, let's say, have you ever had an idea um, that you've come up with that you thought the company should pursue? Oh, for sure. And sometimes, you know, we'd even run with that idea. Have you ever saved that idea for yourself to run with? Oh, is that the confession? Well, you'll see <laughs> right here in this confession that we're calling running with an idea um, portrayed, as always, by some voice talent that we've found so we could keep things anonymous. I work for an enterprise SaaS company, but I'm not technically a product person, at least not yet. I don't have a technical background and wasn't able to land a product job out of college three years ago. But when a company that I respected offered up an account executive position, I jumped on the opportunity. It's been a pretty good three years for me, all things considered. I've met my sales goals and just recently got promoted to senior account executive. I like the company. It's a pretty positive place to be for the most part. But long term, I've always thought I'd eventually find a way to break into a product role or maybe even start a technology company myself. And that's actually why I'm writing in. I have an idea that I think really has some legs. I've started to research it a bit. And the more I look into it, the more I like the idea. But I'm a realist. I know that an idea is just that. But before I start to really spend a lot of time on it, I'm wondering if I should involve anybody from my company. It isn't technically related to our core products. It's distantly related though. It's true that our company always does say that the best ideas come from anywhere. If I'm being honest, I think I'm going to keep moving forward with this. And if all continues to look promising, I think I'm going to take the leap myself. But would I be making the wrong move here? Okay, to share an idea or run with it on your own, it's an interesting predicament. Yes, and to help us talk through this predicament, I have Christian Idioti, who is a product partner at Silicon Valley Product Group. Now, Silicon Valley Product Group, they're one of the sort of go-to groups that companies turn to when it comes to helping them solve problems related to product and product teams. And Christian, again, he's one of the product partners, which means he's not a career consultant. He's a tried and true product person and product leader with deep experience to draw on. Christian's partner, Marty Kagan, is the author of the famed product book, Inspired, and more recently, Empowered. And Christian, he could be writing one of his own right now. Yeah, or even running a podcast of his own. We actually had him speak at last year's virtual edition of Industry, and there are so many comments asking if Christian would start a podcast of his own. So Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll see Christian behind the mic of his own very soon. Well, until then, let's get him behind the mic for us and get his take on this first confession. When you first saw this, what kind of crossed your mind? A couple of things that I, I hear from people over and over again is about protecting ideas. Well, it's my idea. I fear that if I share it, people will steal it. I fear that. Uh, unfortunately, I think if, if you've worked in product for a long time, there's almost no novelty with ideas anymore. Um, and, and part of that is that many problems are not very new. Uh, what's changing is technology is changing rapidly and the way we could solve the problem continues to evolve. And so, you know, often, you know, he said, I'm not a product person and people see product people as people that validate ideas. And, and that for me has kind of almost become an anti-pattern in thinking because that's not the job. The job is to discover a solution <laughs> to that idea, right? And deliver it. 
Um, and, and that's really the hard part of it. So, so I, you know, my first inclination just hearing that story was I will share the idea with every single person I know, boldly and freely. Because in some ways, you're getting validation. Um, in some ways, you're checking demand. In some ways, you're building confidence. In some ways, you're, you, you know, these are all the things now. It is true that there are people that will love to steal ideas. There are people that uh, will always tell you no. Or they'll be positive supporters. They'll be detractors. Um, those will always be the case. Uh, but I have not found anything more valuable to a startup person or entrepreneur than being able to press on and persevere if they believe a problem is worth solving. Now, the, the flip side of that is not that the problem is not worth solving, is discovering a solution that is compelling enough for people to buy or use. And I think, uh, you know, if I'm looking at that individual, I love the options. Your options are congratulations, startup CEO, go be an entrepreneur and drive your idea, bring the idea to the company and, and have, you know, tell them why you feel it's tangentially related and see if they are willing to solve the problem or get involved in solving the problem. Um, but, but I think regardless of what it is or how they, they choose, talking about the idea will help. But what, what, what about the part of bringing it to the company? I was curious about that. Typically, um, I love to test demand very early. You don't need permission to do that. Um, you know, if I were advising, I would say, well, go on Kickstarter. Put your idea up there and see how many people donate. You don't have to, you know, make up a company, ABC Inc. And say, we have this great idea for this great solution. Put it on Kickstarter. You know, if you can't raise $25 of Kickstarter, <laughs> it's almost it's like a demand test. You can also test some value because you see how much people are actually donated based on it. I have this idea. I would love to build this and et cetera. And see what happens. And that allows you to know if it has legs. Now, if it doesn't have enough legs in that mindset, you're probably best served to bring it to your company. And, and part of it is, you know, I love that quote. Uh, it's that Einstein quote, like nothing can stop an idea whose time has arrived in, in that sense, right? It's, it's, if it's, if this is the right time for it, don't be like, I'll hold on to the idea until I break free or until I leave the company in five years. It, that's, that's maybe just, there'll be 50 other companies solving the problem even better than you have. Um, and, and you need to go through many attempts to do it. So if you care enough about the idea and you do not see a path to solving the problem yourself, then you're best to be a part of the people that can. And so tee it up to your company and say, I'm really passionate about this. I would love to work on it in whatever capacity I have um, and see how they respond. You know, if they have technology people, product people, it may be a good way for you to lend the discipline since they said they had an interest in it. Say, look, I would love to partner with a product manager assigned to this and, you know, you're learning as you're also working on something you love. Yeah, I, I was going to say that even if it doesn't work, the experience of doing it will most likely push them forward, which is kind of what you're saying, right? Take the risk. You might fail, and, and that's okay. But if that's the direction you want to go with your career, you've now got another notch under your belt. Whereas if you just sit there, you'll continue to work in sales, which you might like, but it doesn't sound like that's the passion and where they want to end up long term. It's... it's um. You know, someone had asked me or some early advice I lent or I got early in my career that really stuck to me. And, and uh, for me, I realized it 
early that it was more important for me to know how to do the work than to get recognized for the work. And in some ways, when I think about this, like it's more valuable for you to know what to do with an idea and how to turn an idea into a product and build a solution from it um, than getting recognition for I had a great idea. Uh, the, the, the world is not short of ideas. So, you know, if you go through this experience, whether it works or it doesn't work, you've learned what it means to go from an idea to something tangible. And maybe the, the organization gives you some of that blanket and learning to do that. You know, and then your next idea, you're actually starting from a better place, uh, um, a more mature uh, a place um, in there. So, so this, regardless of what happens to this, the learning will be more valuable. Before the break, we heard one confession, whether to share your idea internally at your company or run with it on your own. But this next confession, Mike, you made it seem like it was the juicy one. Yeah, I would say so. In fact, for product people, this confession is going to be downright blasphemous. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into it. All right. I think the title of this confession alone might be telling, and the title is... I don't talk to customers. I've been at this small consumer SaaS startup company for the last year or so. They hired me as their first true product manager. The company is relatively small. There are five developers, one designer, and me on the product side, and about 10 others in various administrative type roles. Here's my confession. I haven't talked to one customer since getting here. I know that's pretty blasphemous for product people, But hear me out. Our CEO hired me because he liked the vision that I had for our products, and it seemed to mirror his vision. I'm a huge Steve Jobs fan, and I know that Steve Jobs didn't spend all day with customers asking them what they wanted. They sure as hell wouldn't have said they wanted a touchscreen device with a robust app ecosystem. I'm not saying I'm Steve Jobs, but I do think I have a pretty good vision and believe in that vision. So yeah, I haven't had one customer interview, held one focus group, or run one survey since I got here. Nobody's asked me to, and I haven't made it a point to do it. Wow. Just, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I wonder what Christian will have to say about this one. I love it. Well, I I love that he started with like, I was hired as your first true product manager. Uh, well, I, I, mean, I mean, this is a false prophet in this sense. Um, I, mean, I, I, I mean, if you think about it, we, we do want product managers to have a deep knowledge of the customer, of the business, of the data, of their industry, uh, because they are making a decision on what is truly valuable. And, you know, and, and I love how people take the Steve Jobs context and, and they use that. It's, and it's absolutely right. In, in technology, you know, we, we always call it principle number one. We can't count on customers to tell us what to build, right? Uh, and Steve Jobs would say, yes, if we run a thousand focus groups, nobody will ask for the iPhone, right? And that's right, uh, because in technology, customers don't know what they want until they see them, you know? And, and Jake Bezos is also, you know, notorious for in the same mindset. He will say, you know, the, the first mistake you can make is listening to customers. Mm. But he also says the second biggest mistake you can make is not listening to customers. (laughs) You know, what people fail to understand is when we talk about customer centricity, why you talk to customers, uh, people have the wrong assumption on what you're doing with customers, 
right? In some ways, like, you know, we say principle number one, you're not counting on them to tell you what to build. But the first thing you're trying to do is you want to make sure you understand the problem. Because if you think about it, you're not building a solution for your CEO or your CEO's vision. So you want to make sure you've identified the problem well and you've defined it well. That's one of the angles. The, the second stuff is around your solution, right? Because on one end, you can look at it from an idea standpoint. This is why I keep saying the job is not to validate ideas, is to discover a solution. You know, in some ways, you may be validating your CEO's vision. Now that you've figured out this is the right vision, how do you build it? How do you know that this is, you know, the solution is going to work, right? So when I'm talking to customers, I want to make sure I understand, are you really who I think you are? Do you have the problems that I think you do? Do you even define it in that way? How are you solving the problem today? Because, uh, you know, one of the quotes I love, I'm trying to think it's Mark Andreessen or, or Ben Harris that says it. It's like the, the issue is not that uh, we haven't found a problem worth solving is that the solution we've come up with is not compelling enough for people to switch. It's not so much that it's like, well, as a product person, you ha you should be doing X customer interviews and Y focus groups. It's, it's more that some product people are doing those things to get a solid understanding of the customer's problem. So it's not so much that it's a problem that this person isn't doing those things, but they probably aren't going to have great understanding of the customer's problem if they're not surrounding themselves with customers somehow, right? I would be curious what the results of this first year have been too, right? And that's something that they didn't mention, right? Like, was it wildly successful? Did they invent the next iPhone or, you know, was it okay? You know, and did they they, they kind of uh, trek along in their, their current trajectory? Uh, the other thing about Steve Jobs is it, while he may not have sat down with customers and, and he obviously ascribed to that famous uh, well, he didn't say it, but everyone uh, gives the Henry Ford quote, right? He did get validation from critics, from customers, from revenue growth of the company with, with millions of users across the world, across their 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 various devices, right? And so it, he may not have sat down and talked with customers, but he was certainly getting feedback on what they were building along the way. And so I would be curious if this person is getting that same level of of feedback and what are the results of this vision? It's, it's kind of what I always tell my kids. No matter what happens, if you ever end up in jail, it will not be because of something I didn't tell you. So I am telling you now, like, <laughs> talk to customers. You may argue in yourself you don't know how it helps, but I don't think you can make an argument about how it hurts, right? Like that it's going to hurt you, right? So, um, you know, remember who you're solving a problem for. Uh, if you focus well on the problem, it is your job to have a great vision for how you plan to solve that. And I love that you have one and your CEO loves your vision for it. But remember that, you know, the vision is to solve a problem for somebody. You need to check that it's doing that. And not after you've built it, not three years after you, because probably this year they've been in development of this great vision. And they might learn the lesson next year. Why is this great vision not getting market adoption and not getting sales? And we didn't tweak it. It was not how we thought about it in our head. And so, Please talk to customers. I, 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 it will not hurt you. You can argue about how it doesn't help you, but I promise you, it won't hurt. Well, there we are. Two more confessions in the books. 
Michael, what did you learn today? Yeah, it's it's time for that one big takeaway each, right? Well, I'll start with the running with an idea confession. My takeaway is that good ideas can come from anywhere. This person's company made it a point to let everyone in the company know that this was their point of view. And while he was considering whether to run with it or share it with the company, the fact is may not be a solid idea at all, but <laughs> it may also be the next groundbreaking idea that can make a huge impact. Who knows, right? For product leaders that only rely on their own work with customers or worse, with their own intuition on a new idea, they could be missing out. Maybe the next big idea is coming from your sales team or your customer success or engineering, right? Engaging with these groups, making them part of the process. You may be surprised what you find out. Yeah, I, I love that. Like we, we definitely want to engage with everybody within the company and, and make them a part of that process. Um, and by the way, the person who made the second confession, he or she could probably learn from that one too, <laughs> I think. Um, in fact, my big takeaway, it definitely stems from the I don't talk to customers confession. And that's the fact that we should always talk to our customers. Like, <laughs> seriously, I shouldn't even have to say that. Yeah, but if it's not clear to anyone out there, like the person who made the confession, yes, please do this. <laughs> and and don't get me wrong. It's not about asking customers what they want. I, I do think for me, that's actually the big takeaway here. It's, it's not that customers can tell you what they want or if they do, really, that's only part of the story anyway. But you need to engage with your customers to understand their pain points, to have empathy for those pain points. And that understanding and empathy, that could feed into the solutions that you develop. You're not you're not asking them what they want, but you're you're getting to know them and you're getting to know their problem. So if you're not doing this, you're honestly leaving a lot to chance. Yeah, not engaging with customers at all, it only adds a lot more risk. And new product development is always a risky endeavor as it is, right? So let's not add to that risk when we don't have to. Exactly, exactly. So that's it for today. Next week, we have two more confessions for you. If you have confessions of your own that you'd like to share, give us an email. You could reach us at team at rocketship.fm. Again, team at rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.